When I was a kid, I used to think of God as a big kid with a magnifying glass. And he's just sitting there waiting for me to do one thing wrong so that he can smite me or zap me or whatever it might be that he did. Of course, I was young at the time. I was probably eight or nine years old. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was really because of the kind of church that I was raised in. I was raised in the Catholic Church. Not that there's anything wrong with the Catholic Church, but the particular church that I was raised in was very hellfire and brimstone. But Jeremiah 29.11 tells us, you know what, give me just a second. I'm going to look that up real quick because I, you know, as much as I have studied scripture, that doesn't mean that I know everything. And so I like to make sure that I get scripture right. Yeah, you might be saying, well, Jeremiah 29.11 is, is a famous scripture. You should know that by heart. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to get it wrong. We all get it wrong sometimes, and I like to make sure that I get it right, because so many people say things that are incorrect. Like, I used to go to Celebrate Recovery, and one of the biggest things in Celebrate Recovery was that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I mean, it just sounds so spiritual and, and so God-like, you know, but it's not true in the least bit. Of course God gives us more than we can handle. If we could handle everything we were given, we wouldn't need to rely on God. Now, he doesn't tempt us. That's what the Bible says. God doesn't tempt us more than we can handle, but he does give us more than we can handle. Now, I was right about Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, plans for welfare even, even means, or in some other versions, this is the ESV, in some other versions, it means plans for financial gain or plans to prosper. And of course, that's not just financial gains, but basically plans to have a life full of joy. There's nothing in the Bible that God tells his followers that he wants us to not have joy. Joy and happiness are two different things. But the big thing is, is that if you think that God in any way wants the worst for you, here you've got it right in Jeremiah. I mean, it's right in the, in the Torah, in the first five-fifths of the Bible. If you're not familiar with what the Torah is, it's, it's the first five books of the Bible. Most Jewish teachings and synagogues are based off of the Torah. In fact, unless I'm mistaken, a vast majority of it is based off the Torah. I actually went to Jewish synagogue for a while. It's, it's really interesting. I encourage you to go there if you haven't been there yourself. They do a lot of training and a lot of teaching, and I think it's very good teaching. But right here in the first five-fifths of the Bible, God is telling us that he wants us to have a great future, that he's not looking to curse us. He's not looking to do anything against us whatsoever. It's also told us that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. In Hebrews 13.5, he said that. But we have to be careful with that because that doesn't mean that we're not going to leave God. And that doesn't mean that he's going to be blessing us and giving us gifts and giving us great things if we're not following him. Romans 10, 9 through 10 tells us, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Here's the problem with that verse, is that we raise our hands one Sunday when there's an altar call, or we go to the front and we get prayed over, and we give our life to Jesus, or we say we're going to give our life to Jesus. We get baptized, we go home. On the way home, someone cuts us off, we flip them off, we yell at them, we cuss at them. 
you know, our whole family's in the car while we're doing it. And I hate to say this, I've done this myself. I don't think I did it right after church, but I've done it myself. And that's not of God. That's not of Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means that you have to live your life the way that Jesus wants us to live our lives. And yeah, that's a tough one because just because we raised our hand one day or we got baptized, that really doesn't mean that we're going to heaven. This doesn't say if you confess with your mouth once that Jesus is Lord. And yeah, we all goof up. Like I said, I've gotten very, very mad at people that have cut me off before. And the thing is, not it's not whether or not you get mad at them. It's what you do after that. What I try to do, and sometimes it, it takes me a while before I can do it, but what I try to do is say, God, forgive me for that. And God, please bless that person, whether they believe in you or not. Bless them for the day because of my mistake, because of what I did and said against them. And I'll even tell God, if you have a blessing for me, please give it to them. And I don't know if that's biblical or not, but I feel that when, when I don't go in the way that God wants me to go, that I should give whoever, you know, when I when get angry at someone else like that, I should give them the blessing that God has for me rather than taking it myself. But we need to always keep in mind, especially with when we're beginning Christians or maybe even not even quite Christians yet, is that God isn't out to get us. He's not out to hurt us. And you could point out things like with Moses in the desert where God killed half of the Israelites. Well, he killed them because they went against him. They followed God, and then they turned, and they went against God and started creating idols again. Yeah, God doesn't treat everybody with kid gloves. Well, he shouldn't be treating anybody with kid gloves. I'm sorry, if we're going to follow Christ, then Jesus himself said, if you're going to follow me, you need to pick up your own cross and follow me. Think about what it took for him to pick up his cross. He was whipped to within an inch of his life. Parts of his skin were hanging off of him. If you've never watched The Passion of the Christ, I, I recommend you watch that. It's a very graphic and violent movie, but think about what it means to pick up our cross. It means that we really need to do a lot more, at least I need to do a lot more than I'm doing in being a Christ follower. Paul was a great example. In Acts, Luke tells us about many of the trials and tribulations that Paul went through. He was shipwrecked several times. He was stoned so badly that the people who stoned him thought he was dead, and they carried his, his lifeless body out of the town and walked back into the town. And this tells me a lot about Paul, as soon as he did wake up, woke up, his his disciples helped helped him with his wounds because they were standing around wondering what to do and they thought he was dead too and then all of a sudden he wakes up and of course we don't know whether he was dead or not god may have raised him at that point that's definitely possible but he walked right back into the town where they stoned him he was kicked out of so many towns he was whipped he was stoned he was bit by a snake once for all i mean it was a poisonous snake too he got bit by the snake and everyone's looking at him waiting for him to die Paul went through so much to spread the word of God. Now, you can ask, well, how, how can you have a life of joy when you go through that? Remember, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And God even said when Paul went back to Corinth, because people were starting to rise up against him again. Let me get the scripture for that. Give me just a second here. In Acts 18, starting with verse, was it 13? No, I'm sorry, verse 9. 
And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. So Paul stayed there for over a year, and this is the same city where he he got thrown out of not too long before. See, joy doesn't necessarily mean happiness. We may not be happy that people are throwing stones at us, but we can still be joyful in that we are children of God. And as much as we don't want to think about it, the joy really comes from if we do die, or I shouldn't say if, when we do die, because we will all die, when we do die, we're going to heaven. That's where our joy should really come from. We will be with Jesus and with God in heaven when we die. The Bible guarantees us that as long as we keep following him. Hey, this is Dr. Time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simple Christians. And you all take care and I'll talk to you next time.